welcome back to A Woman's Place. Um, this is episode somewhere in its 20s. Um, we're delighted to have you back here again. Today we're going to talk about, um, I suppose we haven't introduced ourselves in a while, we should introduce ourselves again, shouldn't we, Circa? Um, yeah, um, we have a, a, we had a, a good few new listeners from the last podcast. So if you hadn't listened to that, it's with um, Clodagh Finn. We had a great conversation. I was actually just in um, Waterstones in Cork City recently and spotted her book right on the Irish history section at eye level, facing out, which is always like a good, you know, you want your book. That's where you want your book to be. Um, So if you haven't listened to that podcast, do check it out. It was the last one we did. And um, in between that and my existential crisis, we're back again um, to bring you this podcast, but just a little bit on ourselves. My name is Christina and um, I am the person speaking (laughs) and we've been running this podcast for about a year now and it's about kind of connecting. It's kind of expanded, I suppose, to what we we first brought it out to be which was like the social political and historical lives of Irish women um sometimes it can be more you know uh, current sometimes it can be more historical sometimes it can be um international and not really and and more broad and not really specifically to do with Irish Irish women but um yeah that's that on the podcast and myself I don't know if there's much to say about me except that I um Okay, I'll do Christ I'll do Christina's oh. introduction because okay. she's too fucking modest to do it herself. Okay. So basically, Christina is the one who keeps up with like all the current trends mm. and tells me what's in the zeitgeist mm-hmm. and talks about all of the things that she's read in articles because she reads an awful lot and she's kind of got her finger on the pulse of what's what's going on in the world in of the zeitgeist. Life. Yeah. And then I'm Sarika and my focus is mainly on kind of history. Um, So I'm a historian and I do a lot of research into why the things that are affecting us now, like where Mm -hmm. did they come from? Mm -hmm. So we've done podcasts on, say, um, women's mental health. And we went back and looked at, like, where did all of that actually come from and Mm -hmm. why why women are hysterical, for example. Mm -hmm. So check that one out if you haven't. And I suppose that... Christina kind of brings me an idea and then I do a bit of research into the historical side of it and Christina's more focused on how it affects us now mm-hmm. and I think that that's kind of where the podcast has really turned even though that wasn't our intention the very first day as Christina said our intention was really to focus on Irish women but at the same time the the issues that affect Irish women affect women all, all over the world mm-hmm. so we do often talk about kind of global trends or European trends mm-hmm. um, in particular and where they came from and how did we get to where we are today mm-hmm. yeah so that's me mm-hmm. and um christina and we're so delighted to have you back again mm-hmm. and today uh christina if you want to introduce it if you want to introduce my my pet peeve <laughs> so today we're talking about why women don't deserve pockets you don't deserve pockets you filthy bitch no pockets for you um and so um that's the introduction <laughs> it, i'm teeing it up circa off you go so um i think every woman alive has seen a jacket or a pair of pants and been like "Ooh, they're my style and gone over and realized that they either have fake pockets that are sewn closed 
or they have teeny tiny pockets that you teeny, can't fit anything tiny in. Pockets. Teeny and tiny. I was reading an article about um <laughs> I was actually reading an article about King Louis the Fourteenth of France and his court, which we'll talk about more later. But in this article it spoke about the fact that a woman could fit like a pocketbook, a knife, a pair of scissors, sewing thread, and a huge miscellaneous of items into her pockets. And I was like, mm-hmm. wait a minute they had big pockets back then. Mm-hmm. So then I kind of went on a deep dive and I found a really good um, quote from a woman called Charlotte P. Gilman, who wrote for the New York Times in 1905. And she said, one supremacy there is in men's clothing is its adaptation to pockets. Women have from time to time carried bags, some sewn on, some tied on, some brandished in the hand, but a bag is not a pocket. Mm-hmm. And I just was really interested, as in 1905, that they didn't have, they had the same problems that we have, that that their clothes didn't have pockets or didn't have suitable pockets. Mm-hmm. So I started to kind of look into it. And pre-Industrial Revolution, kind of say, like Industrial Revolution is talking like 1750, pre that, everybody carried a bag of some sort men and women it wasn't seen in any way unusual for men and women to carry the exact same bags but they weren't kind of fancy they weren't handbags like we would imagine them today they were just kind of usually like a sack of linen that you carried around with you put all your shit in but um what happened then was when the industrial revolution really gained headway and the urban world grew more crowded and dangerous people began filing into the cities for the work that was there and they needed to carry around more stuff with them. So the fashion kind of changed and people began hiding their bags that they previously would have worn outside their clothes. They began hiding them under their clothes. So first, obviously, they just kind of wore a strap underneath their clothes like a lot of us would do if we had a heavy jacket on and our bag underneath. Mm -hmm. But this changed then to allowing there to be slits in clothes for you to reach in and grab your bag that was either sewn on or tied on to your waistband or to the very top of your pants. Mm -hmm. Like a fanny pack. Like exactly like a fanny pack or a bum bag is what I would would call it. Yeah, Yeah, I don't like I don't like fanny pack. I much prefer a bum bag. Um, and they were fitted with these little slits that you could put your hand in and access all your worldly goods but what started happening was um, which which can I just can I just interrupt and make an observation that is exactly what we still do now when it comes to travel and we're in somewhere that we perceive as dangerous it's common it's a common thing for travelers even not Americans you know to wear um, a fanny pack, a bum bag when you're going traveling so that like people couldn't steal it from you, you know, because it's it's seen as safer. Yeah, definitely. And mm. that that is actually brings me perfectly to my next point, which is they stopped tying them onto their belts because of uh, pickpockets who were known at the time as cut purses mm-hmm. because they would literally cut the string that held your purse or your little bag or your pouch onto your belt. And so people were like losing you know so much money and all their stuff so they then began to design them to actually be underneath another layer of clothes and sewn on and so there was nothing like for a cut purse to cut your purse off at that time they would have had to picked out all of the stitches in your in your in your bag so Mm. that links with what Christina was saying about 
people and they do I've done it myself wear your bag nearly under your clothes when you're in a foreign place that you don't know well Mm -hmm. for for safety but the difference kind of between that and this is that like the pockets became kind of number one quite large so like well bigger than most handbags today like you know the kind of small handbags that have really come into fashion in the last couple of years the kind of real throwback like to the 90s bags the mm-hmm. ones that you tiny little ones you wear on your shoulder they would have been that size or bigger so they held quite a bit of stuff mm-hmm. um and women would usually make them themselves or they'd have their dressmaker make them if they were wealthy and they would embroider and embellish them and give them to their friends or you know like would very common to make one for your daughter um, and they were covered in embroidery and, and embellishes, as I said, and you could fit an awful lot in there, like keys, food, glasses, scent bottles, combs, whatever you needed. And this is where we kind of, um, we're, we're in the industrial revolution now, as I said, and this is where uh, kind of clothes in, in wealthier areas, and especially in, in England, because um, one of the areas that really drove the industrial revolution was the textile industry. So pre-made clothes became more common. They still weren't massively common, but they were they were more common than they would have been in Ireland or in many other European countries at that stage. And a man's outfit was like um, a, sh- a pair of shorts with these socks that we'd pull up to the top and then he'd have a long kind of calf length jacket over that with a waistcoat and a shirt so he had shitloads of pockets he had pockets in his pants pockets in his jacket pockets in his waistcoat loads of pockets and women did too women um upper class women at this time they wore what's called a mantua which is like a, it's the things that you'd see like in the marie antoinette movies the really really wide dresses that to you and I look intensely uncomfortable and I would say were intensely uncomfortable and they had like you know a train and a petticoat and a hoop skirt to give you this very very wide shape Mm -hmm. plenty of room for pockets right yeah 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 so on the side of the mantua there'd be like a little slit that if you didn't know it was there you'd never see it and that slit would allow your hand to go in through your hoop skirt and get at your get get at your your, your items your possessions mm-hmm. working class women wore mantuas as well but they wore them of kind of lesser fabrics like wool or cotton but they had plenty of space in their pocket bags um which would be attached to their petticoats and for going out in society or formal situations they would be invisible under your petticoats but for working women they were usually more visible and worn under their apron so there would be a slit in their apron Mm-hmm. As well as having their apron pocket, there would be a slit in their apron that would allow them to access them. Because if you think, like, working women had an awful lot of stuff to carry in their pockets, mm-hmm. particularly if they worked in a market, which an awful lot of working women did. And if you worked in a factory, then you had to have keys to your house. You had to have, you know, you, you had to have a lot of stuff at your beck and call. Because especially unmarried women at that time, they lived in lodging houses. And you wouldn't leave really anything of value in your lodging house during the day when you were at work because you'd be afraid it would be stolen you know right. yeah 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 okay so basically like everyone had pockets mm-hmm. like yeah. absolutely everybody and we know from a book that I, I skimmed called the 18 maxims of neatness and order by a pseudonym Teresa Tidy and mm-hmm. um, young women back then who didn't attend like a formal and um, finishing school they their mothers would usually buy them these books or they would learn the lessons from these books from someone who could read 
and they were things about like what you should carry how you should act who to curtsy to etc but one of their pieces of advice was women should always carry a purse a thimble a pencil a pincushion a knife and a pair of scissors which is a lot to fit in a pocket if you think of our modern day pockets mm-hmm. yeah I mean have you know, they, had these women ever heard of a biscuit tin though funnily enough women who lived in those houses of multiple occupancy the ones and um, the lodging houses they actually would take off their pockets at night and sleep with them under their pillows and okay. keep them under their pillows because yeah. that was considered to be the safest place they would never leave anything of value in the lodging house during the day mm-hmm. never so it was it was like um I suppose it was like an extension of themselves almost, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. like they didn't go anywhere without their pockets, basically. Um, But what I thought was interesting as well is, as I I said about the the women who kept shops and stalls that did any form of paid work, really, they would often have things like pen knives or corkscrews in their in in their clothes, really close at hand. And I think that most self-respecting women, if some lecherous old gammon man made an attempt at them, they would have very close to their hand, their pen knife, and a real knife or a corkscrew or something to defend themselves. Right. You know? Yeah. So they were they were practical in a lot of spheres, in a lot of situations. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And obviously back then women would have had genuine reasons for carrying knives, which makes it easier to carry a knife for defence if that's if that's what you felt you needed to do. And particularly in industrial England, like I, if I was transported back there, I'd definitely be carrying a knife. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there was no welfare of any kind. People lived on the, people, people who lived on the streets were extremely, extremely desperate um, because there was very few charities or anything. And so you kind of had to be prepared, I suppose. So I also looked at some um, pickpocketing cases from that time to kind of see what, what women were carrying. Um, and there is also a report of things. Uh, the British Transport Society has a report of all the, the pockets that were left on trains by accident. Mm. So due to this kind of um, influx of people into the cities, women did begin carrying bags as well. But a bag is not a pocket. Yeah. And you can secrete things in your pocket that you perhaps wouldn't have put in a bag, you know? Mm-hmm. So there's loads of accounts of like um, stolen items being hidden in pockets, seditious letters being hidden between petticoats um, and unfortunately, quite sadly, hidden afterbirths Mm. hidden in in these women's pockets and bags. And this was a kind of a cause of concern for some of these old gammon men that I've spoken about. Um, And there are several accounts of people such as magistrates saying things like that you know women shouldn't be able to hide things on their person okay and kind of advice given out to police forces saying don't forget that women have these pockets secreted under their clothes if you're searching them for stolen items or anything like that Mm. don't don't forget about the fact that they've got pockets it's very it's very reminiscent it's 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 giving anti-roma gypsy mentality because of their skirts you know it's giving profiling yeah and I definitely think that a lot of working women at this time you've got to think like they would have been working but they would have been working for very very low wages Mm -hmm. and I don't doubt that plenty of women at this time 
turn their hand to whatever they could Mm -hmm. to make a bit of money and having your pockets hidden under your clothes is very helpful in that regard if Mm -hmm. you want to hide things you know yeah so that was kind of pre and just into the industrial revolution about 1750 to maybe 1790 but then we had what's known as the age of revolutions so there was a massive um kind of knock-on effect from the american revolution that eventually came to europe and began with the french revolution in 1789 but there was also revolutions in haiti in serbia and in dozens of principalities across europe that don't exist anymore and that have been superseded into countries like France or Germany. This really, really worried the people at the top. And from the age of revolution, the fashion changed quite quickly um, from what we spoke about earlier with this Mantua and the kind of huge dresses, the very uncomfortable, very cumbersome dresses, but that had a lot of space for pockets to into the 19th, the early 19th century, 1800s onwards, the fashion began to change and brought an awful amount of um, restraint. Like fashion historians would say that after the years of revolution, governments wanted to tighten their grip on their um, citizens and this showed itself through the fashion. So skirts were worn very much pulled into the body. There is no need for hoop skirts anymore. There's maybe only one petticoat being worn the natural waist crept upwards to what we call today an empire line and the whole kind of neoclassical look came out so it was all about being thin and having a a good silhouette like a column so if you're if you're finding it hard to imagine this just think of Bridgerton and the kind of fashions that they were wearing there those very light very kind of clingy Mm -hmm. dresses Mm -hmm. yeah are they clingy nowhere to put in Bridgerton? They're they're I don't mean clingy in the in the way that um that, that they're 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 tight to their body. I kind of mean clingy in the way that like it's a smooth straight down from the waist down is straight down. Mm. So you couldn't put anything under there. Mm-hmm. You know, women had gone from say three or four petticoats to one. Right. And that allowed you to have that kind of straight, almost straight up and down look really mm-hmm. that was popular at that time. So they had no pockets. They were gone. They disappeared. Dressmakers didn't put them in. And even the clothes that you bought off the rack, they wouldn't have had them in either. And they wouldn't have had the um, the waistband that Mantua's had for you to sew one on. So women turned to these teeny tiny bags called reticules. Okay. And these are like the comically small bags. They're usually, you know, the, the ones that have a drawstring at the top. Yes. And are maybe, maybe the size of your fist. Yeah, I have one. Yeah. They were very popular in the 1920s as well. Mm. Yeah. They, they're, they're the reticules and they are so small. Mm. You yeah. can't fit, you can't fit fuck all in them. So this really increased their dependence on people who still had pockets. And the only people who still had pockets at this stage are men. Right. What I think is interesting is this transfiguration from hanging pocket to tiny bag happened during this huge social upheaval when Wait. there were <laughs> the 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 what did you say the hanging pocket the hanging pocket to tiny bag pipeline yeah yes exactly the hanging bag to tiny pocket type pipeline 
I I can't, and if I was a sociologist, I'd probably have more to say on this, but I cannot I cannot not believe, or like I have to believe that that had a huge amount to do with the social upheaval at the time. And the fact that during all of these rebellions, so during the American Revolution, during the 1798 rebellion here, during the French Revolution, Haitian, Serbian, all of them, women played incredibly important roles in mostly smuggling. Yes. They smuggled documents, they smuggled guns, they smuggled explosives, um, and they smuggled all of these because they had massive pockets under their clothes with which to do so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So after this, women's pockets or private spaces that they carried into the public sphere was revolutionary and frightening for some people. Mm-hmm. So the less women could carry, the less freedom they have. So you take away their pockets and you limit their ability to navigate public spaces. I I, I just want to pause there for a second because I'm just like um, the what is what is interesting about being able to see what's on the body and what is what people are carrying, etc. As you've pointed out, there is like a big racial profiling thing that is still carried out in, all over the world, but especially frequently uses in America is stop and frisk so they'll like stop you for no reason and check you you know like and it's legal to just stop people without any any yeah, warrant or whatever well. yeah so it it's in the UK it's stop in, and search. yeah so it's interesting that it's like not it's giving that pockets and like concealing stuff like you know like that's a way of of um, oppressing people and making sure that they are not free is actually making sure that they don't have security in being able to carry something around with them. Definitely. Mm. And we we see this kind of whole idea turn into um, what we would kind of see as Victorian notions of like propriety. So a la Bridgerton, if you've, if you've watched, I'm sure you'd see that the girls go nowhere without a chaperone. Mm-hmm. When the Industrial Revolution began, it was relatively common for women of all classes and and ages to go places by themselves, to walk from their home to their workplace by themselves, to get a train by themselves. Um, But after the French Revolution, that really, not stopped, but it it certainly declined a huge amount. So this is um, like the age of chaperones like it's very easy to control women when they have to take a guardian absolutely everywhere they go mm-hmm. which is what it became really and even though the fashions changed again and by 1850s the crinoline skirts were in fashion which again required a hoop skirt and would have had more than enough space for pockets underneath they they didn't make a comeback so patterns that you would have bought to make your dress at home didn't have space for pockets and if you bought a ready-made dress, it wouldn't have had pockets in it either, even though you're going back to a very similar style like the Mantua. So in the Mantua, they had space. So why can't I have space in these crinoline skirts? Right. You know, yeah. the, the fashion went back to a white skirt, but the pockets never came back. And okay. by the late 1890s, men's suits had 15 pockets. Mm-hmm. Women had none. Okay. Like even on 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 business suit jackets now, it's so common. Like you know, if you ever get a blazer, a female blazer, they still have fake pockets in them. 
Yeah, and a lot of fashion designers will say that that's to do with the cut, so that the the cut of the of the jacket or the cut of the pants would be affected if you included pockets. And to be honest with you, that's just the thing that shitty people who can't design fucking nice mm-hmm. jackets say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. functional and and fashionable, it's not that difficult. Yeah, yeah. People so have true. been doing it for centuries, and you're just fucking lazy. <laughs> and I'm sorry, like they are. In 1899, the New York Times made a very tongue-in-cheek claim that civilization itself is founded on pockets. And I quote, the female sex cannot rival us while it is pocketless. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And like, that's very true. Like, especially in 1899, when we haven't, I mean, we've had a bit of a bit of first wave feminism, but it was kind of very quickly stamped out. And we're not yet at the point of suffragettes. Mm-hmm. So 1899, you're still taking a chaperone everywhere you go um, and you're still very much bound by a lot of these social mores. Like a date is sitting in your parlor with your parents. You know, it, you're not going anywhere. You're not leaving the house with a man unless you're engaged or married. So a very kind of stifling world for women. And the fashion reflected this. At the time, the, the one of the most popular um, fashions was the hobble skirt, which even the name, the hobble skirt, like that's a fucking chronic name. Like doesn't sound, um, sound very accessible. No, it was basically a skirt that um, was fairly normal, except for at the bottom, it went in an awful lot. And so you could literally only walk in little steps. What year was this? This is like 19 by 1905, 1910. Okay, because like I actually have a skirt of my mother's that it's like a straight down one and um, she would have worn it in the 80s probably. But it, it, it was just one that was so strict, restricted on the bottom. But actually what I noticed, like I got a dress from Vietnam and that was one of the big things that all the dresses that I bought in Vietnam were strict at the at the leg and I was just like hmm, that's interesting but obviously they're smaller than me and than us as well so maybe it was just my longer stride but um yeah it's 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 interesting that we talk about like the the width of the skirt is usually we talk about when we talk the width of the skirt is like more oppressed than the the narrowness though so how do you equate the narrowness with you know what I mean I do, I do, especially because they've gone from crinoline in the 1850s, which was the kind of white hoop skirt, back down to this very thin, um, long and very tight at the end mm-hmm. skirt. But this is kind of, again, it's like the Victorian morals where showing your ankle was deemed right. to be yeah, absolutely yeah, 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 scandalous, yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, so what we see in America around the turn of the century into kind of 1910s, 1915, is we see um, first wave feminism. So um, we've spoken about the OG feminist Mary Wollenstonecraft before on our podcast. If you haven't heard that episode, it's in the Women's Mental Health episode. Um, she really lived in a very exciting time. She lived in the Age of Revolutions and she wrote a huge, huge amount about the inclusion of women in the public lifestyle and the importance of female education and breaking traditional gender roles. She's regarded regarded by most as the foremother of the feminist movement. And when she published her two books, her ideas spread to America where they were seized upon by the likes of Susan B. Anthony and Katie Staten, who would be huge players in the Americans women, the American women's suffrage movements. Mm-hmm. And so why am I talking about suffragettes? I'm talking about suffragettes because that's the next part of our little pocket story. Uh, 
a lot of suffragettes linked correctly women's fashion and the oppression of women and said that um, corsets, high heel shoes and heavyweight skirts, anything that rendered healthy exercise difficult, um, these groups were formed to kind of push back against them. At this time, your ideal woman in the sense that um, what was kind of portrayed in magazines and in advertising was a very pale, very thin woman. And this was a sign of kind of the wealth of your husband. So you didn't go outside to work. So you were pale and you were thin because you didn't have any muscles from working. Mm -hmm. This is like the opposite of what they had in the Renaissance, where during the Renaissance, um, a larger lady was what all the men desired and what was used in all forms of art and advertising. Think of like the birth of Venus by Botticelli, like... Um, it was popular because it proved that you could afford a lot of food to feed your wife. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of the opposite of that. This is like that you could afford for your wife not to work. So she remained pale and skinny. But for but some it, reason didn't eat anything. <laughs> That's no. another story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that at this time, cycling became really, really popular. And it was really appealing to women because it was a sense of freedom. Mm-hmm. You can't have a chaperone on a bicycle with you. You know, tandem bicycles weren't invented for another few years yet. And um, Elizabeth Cady Stanton said that women are riding to suffrage on the bicycle. The amount of articles about women riding bicycles written by these fucking ham sandwich men uh, such great lines as, where are all the women going? The public wishes to know. <laughs> you know, and... what's really interesting about that is that when a, when, a, when, a city, when a city is safer and more, um, when is, is considered safer and more free, you see more black women on bicycles or more women on bicycles is a correlation. I, I definitely think so. Mm. And this was something that the suffragettes had really uh, grabbed onto was the freedom that being on a bike affords you. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's kind of two, two reasons for this. Um, one of them is that public transport, which was, we're kind of talking really about America here in, in England, uh, public transport was huge. You know, mo- no one had a car, like cars hadn't even invented yet. So everybody was getting the tram or the train. And there were nasty, disgusting men who were taking advantage of women on crowded public transports and they were groping them. And this was, um, they were known as mashers. I don't really know why, but women had begun fighting back. So they didn't have um, big bags and they certainly didn't have pockets, but what they did have was hat pins. Right, yeah. For those of you who don't know, a hat pin could be as long as five inches and they are damn sharp. And so women began attacking the men who were groping them with their hat pins and stabbing them with them. Mm. Um, This happened so much that um, Chicago and other cities enforced laws basically being like that you would get a a worse sentence if you attacked a man with a hat pin than if you slapped him or kicked him and that that in itself tells us what a what a problem this was at the time so instead of dealing with the nasty disgusting gropey freaks Mm -hmm. they they decided that they were going to really clamp down on and, and really enforce um any woman who, who who stabbed a man with her hat pin. Well, it's like it's like um, instead of dealing with poverty and situations that make people into thieves, 
you stop them having pockets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty much, yeah. pretty much. We're going, we're going to, we're going to be talking about a lot of that. So, people, uh, women didn't really want to take public transport, so they wanted to ride bikes. But riding a bike meant that women had to expose their ankles or their bloomers. And there are a ton, and I mean a ton, of creepy fucking drawings of women's ankles in these magazines written by the ham sandwich men. Like, you know, saw this today on Leitrim Street or whatever, and it's like a drawing of a woman's ankle and like the, the pedal of a bicycle. And I'm like, you are, you, oh my God, like, you're so sad. Men have <sighs> really been like sharing nudes forever mm-hmm. you know what I mean like mm-hmm. they've been sharing like their drawings of naked women like they've just been doing this same old monkey business for so long like what is men don't evolve is my... no, they don't. <laughs> they don't have evolved. it's the same shit yeah go on anyway fucking pictures of ankles yeah I know pathetic so there was this really big demand for dresses that made it easier to ride a bicycle, okay? Mm. And there were a couple of different types, which I'll come to in a second, but one 1895 designer of a women's bicycle costume, that's they they were called, um, included a pocket, and women were like, oh my God, a pocket, fuck yeah. Like, give me that fucking dress, like it's got a pocket in it. Um, But it was a pocket specifically designed for a pistol. Mm. And this was a problem. An anonymous New York tailor was quoted and said, not all of them, the women, want to carry a revolver, but a large percentage do and make no bones about it. Even when they do not tell me why they want pockets, they often betray their purpose by asking to have it lined with leather. Mm. And obviously they they want it lined with leather because uh, metal is cold and Mm. they don't want the gun touching their bare skin or even just through a a thin fabric sheet. Yeah. Um, Like, were women asking for pistol pockets? I I, I, I don't know yeah like i really don't but what i do know is that more and more women are now going out to work going to college with no chaperones Mm. dating had become a bit more relaxed and the suitor didn't sit in the parlor anymore they went to a dance hall or they went for tea and since women are leaving their homes they need protection um so true or not this idea spreads like wildfire and men hated this and became extremely vocal about these women having pockets for pistols they couldn't really think of any other reason why a woman might actually want a pocket apart from something nefarious to do harm to men right um so i said yes of course the eternal victims so i said that there was a couple of new kind of styles of dresses came out and one of them was um what you'd see in um, Aladdin, you know, Jasmine has a dress that's not quite a dress. It's actually a pair of pants, but yes. the, the, the hem is down very, very low. So th- they became relatively short-lived, relatively popular. But one of the things that became really popular was called the suffragette suit. And it was basically what, what we, what a woman today would wear, a modern day suit. But the reason that they wanted it um, at the, at the beginning, I think, was that many of the people in the suffragette movement would probably have identified as trans or non-binary in our time, and that language was really non-existent. So they took a uh, they, they took an issue such as pockets, and they designed clothes that made them feel their true selves, but also served the purpose of having pockets. Mm-hmm. And they became really popular, and women um, 
like there's like women were almost kind of forbidden from wearing them so women in upper class families would have been like no way jose were they going to go outside in them and a lot of obviously working women couldn't um afford them but they still had um a certain amount of popularity among particularly among the suffragettes and people who who followed the suffragettes um now as we know in England, the suffragette movement became violent. Um, they, they, they blew up post boxes, they smashed windows, they, Emily Davidson ran in front of the king's horse and um, unfortunately was killed. Um, they, the authorities could see how far women were willing to go to get uh, the vote. And so unfortunately, after they got their demands and after white women got the vote, um, the pockets issue was just kind of abandoned. Mm -hmm. It really fell out of fashion. It really fell out of um, fashion and it also fell out of kind of people talking about it. It wasn't an issue anymore. Like you'd gotten white women the vote and and that was really all Susan B. Anthony and Katie Stanton were interested in, you know, the leaders of the movement, the same Emily Pankhurst and all of them, that's all they were really interested in. Mm. And so the battle for pockets kind of quietened down but during the first world war when all the men were away suddenly women had pockets again they were either buying men's shirts and men's pants to wear to work particularly in armament factories or they were simply editing and sewing the clothes themselves to add pockets because they had shit to do like they were busy yeah all the men are gone we've got shit to do i need a pocket get out of my way and then after World War One, you had the Roaring Twenties when pockets went out of fashion and bags very much came into fashion. Then you had the Great Depression in the 1930s and women again kind of went back to this long skirt um, with no, no access to pockets. And then again, World War Two, suddenly pockets are back again. Women have slacks, women have men's shirts because they've got to do the work. And then there was the hyper, hyper feminization of the 1950s to push back against all the progress that had been made in the 1940s in terms of the women, women and their right to work outside the home and their encouragement to work outside the home. Um, and it eroded all of the progress that had been made during the war. Like during the war, it would not have been unusual at all to see a literal army of women all in comfortable shoes, slacks and shirts and jackets going to work and living their best lives like you know but after world war ii when the men came back all the women were kicked out of the factories and it was deemed basically that there was to be no woman in a job when there could be a man in that job mm -hmm. so women still stayed as things like secretaries um but all of the i suppose all of the progress that had been made around equal work for equal pay and equal rights was completely eroded by the hyperfeminization of the 50s and the issue of pockets just kind of went away and nobody really spoke about it as much as they had previously and my last quote is from christian dior in 1954 he said men have pockets to keep things in women for decoration mm. and to me that just really kind of smacks of the fact that for years, barring a few fashion houses, it was men were designing women's fashion and they were designing women's fashion to make the woman look in the way that they wanted them to look. Whereas men's fashion has almost always been functional. Obviously we have like the mentalness of like the 1700s and the men wearing the ridiculous powdered wigs and stuff. But you know, in general, men's fashion has been functional and 
for every pocket has a reason or every stitch is there for a specific reason. Whereas women in the 1700s and now, um, the clothes are for decoration. They are to enhance what, I mean, this is what a fashion designer would say, like they're to enhance what a woman has got as opposed to actually giving her any sort of autonomy or, you know, freedom. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and when and the mo- what's the most recent discourse about it? I think it kind of bubbled up again. I mean, in the two thousands, you had a lot of remember those really really low rise jeans, mm. and part of having really really low rise jeans is you can't fit fuck all in the pockets. Mm. So it was kind of talked about then, and recently, um, I mean, the fashion recently has turned very much back towards kind of baggy. Um, you know, you see a lot of the Gen Z, um. Christina and I are millennials, so we lived through um, nothing tastes as good as skinny feels Mm -hmm. and that Kate Moss heroin chic fucking bullshit. Yeah. But a lot of the millennial, a lot of the Gen Z today are um, kind of pushing back against that. And um, I kind of think Billie Eilish has an awful lot to do with it, particularly amongst like the young girls that she very much um, wants to be known for her style and her style is a very modest style mm-hmm. not that there's anything wrong with with if you want to dress the other way not at all but I'm just saying that she she's a big influence in a lot of kind of teenage girls lives you know and the way that she dresses is a, a baggy kind of style and I think that that's really taken off well I think she's moving away from that now though as she's getting a bit older yeah um, I would agree but um like, I don't know if you've seen the, I think it just started bubbling up online. I think online, that's, that's where this conversation has kind of erupted in the, in the stratosphere again, is just people being like, you know, someone talks about, and makes a joke about pockets. Like, oh my God, yeah, there are no pockets. It's kind of like one of these things that like, is... I think a lot of people don't Very know. It's just you just don't notice until then someone points it out and you're like, oh my God, yeah. What the hell is that about? Like, why why are these fake pockets or like, why are they so close to your body that they you can't put anything in them? They're just decorative. But actually, if you, I don't know if you've seen the Avengers movie Black Widow. Oh God, I have, yeah. And in it, her, um, Florence Pugh's character, the sister, she like she gets all excited about this this jacket that she's wearing. You know, this is the first piece of clothing I've ever bought for myself. That? Yeah, you don't like it? Is that like a an army surplus or? Okay, it has a lot of pockets, <laughs> but I use them all the time, and I made some of my own modifications. Well, yeah, never. <laughs> Shut up. The point is, I've never. I've never had control over my own life before, and now I do. I want to do things. I like your vest. God, I knew it. I knew you did. It's so cool, right? It's good. Yes. And you can put so much stuff in there. You wouldn't even know. Twice, I think, in twice or three times in that thing to bring attention to the fact that she's so excited with the amount of pockets that the jacket in, and it's a really cute moment, you know? Because I know, but I think like even if someone like I've had a, this experience so many times where I say that's a really nice dress and the person goes thanks it's got pockets mm-hmm, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. I have had that experience so many times or um, dresses with other women 
dresses like even like for just the even if you didn't want to put anything in your pockets it's a, it's a thing right when it comes to pockets um it's not even when it comes to like I want to put something in my pockets I just want to put my hands in my pockets so like if you're wearing a dress like the dress that I got for my brother's wedding had pockets and it's a lovely look to have your hands in your pockets it's also another thing like why are people you know it's a thing where they've like take your hands out of your pockets why it's heavily discouraged yeah it was. why it was, this, i was just about to make that point for years it wouldn't have been proper etiquette to even if you if you, if you deigned to have a pocket it certainly would have been proper etiquette to put your hands in your pockets you know yeah. i mean for young children you tell young children not to put their hands in their pockets when they're walking because if they fall they can't put their hands out that's fair enough but like it would have been seen as kind of rude to have your hands in your pockets while someone was talking to you and for men it's of no consequence whatsoever they can have their hands in their pockets in their pants on their balls while they're talking to somebody and nobody really bats an eyelid do you know and is it because they think like oh if there was something in your pocket you could have your i can't see where your hands are because the whole handshake thing is like is from when people wanted to show that they didn't have a weapon yeah 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 so is, is the and is the pocket i, I, th I think that it that? is I, I don't even think it's a conscious thing though i think it's a hangover sure. from yeah. that time and i think that designers um and kind of be you know like ugh, fashion is cyclical and all the rest of it but like why can't you just put a fucking pocket in the pants like i don't even like pockets and jackets like why not like i'm not asking for like 15 pockets like a suit or anything i'm just asking for two or three pockets in my pants like and it really really bugs me when i find a pair of pants particularly like kind of like suit pants or work pants because jeans almost always have pockets in them you know you'd always at least have a back pocket in a pair of jeans but like it really annoys me like you said when you put on a blazer or a suit and there's not one fucking pocket mm. like i have shit to be carrying around like the average size if you think the average size of a phone is what like six seven inches tall mm -hmm. i can't fit my fucking phone in none of my pockets like i personally wouldn't want to put anything in my pants pocket because i feel like and maybe it's just because i don't have an experience of wearing those kind of you know those kind of pants that things stay in but mm. i the only place i want pockets for myself personally is like in a jacket and then i i, I do want pockets in my blazer or whatever but that's mostly for to put my hands in rather than or to put a bit no, of man, change I want pants pockets. you know no, i want pants pockets because i've like at work i've got like fucking pens mm. and like my keys and like all loads of stuff that like i need a pocket mm -hmm, for mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. i end up carrying them on a lanyard around my neck instead which totally ruins my outfits <laughs> like completely ruins it yeah and like it's i don't know I, it's not unprofessional or anything but i just don't think that a lanyard really sets off my outfit mm -hmm. like i'd rather have pockets to keep my shit in to be honest with you yeah um so yeah i just i just think it's really interesting how that kind of hang up of of the, the fucking french revolution like 1789 quite a while ago has managed to stick with us up to now so yeah um and the for, and you'd the, be hard pressed like you'd be hard pressed to find a suit for a, that's made for a woman now obviously i i don't know about you but like i wear loads of men's clothing like i've no bother like and I, I love the androgynous look so like i have men's jumpers men's suit pants um and you'd actually find a lot of the time especially on the big box websites like um 
the fast fashion websites, you'll find that a lot of the um, men's clothing is is on sale, but they only have like a smaller and extra small, mm. which is perfect for me because I'm very petite, like my I've, I'm like five foot two, you know, so it's great for me to be able to buy those pants and they actually have pockets and I wear them to work and I'm like, nice, nice pants. thank you. Okay. It has pockets. <laughs> pockets. Like so happy. Yeah. So happy. Yeah. I like I just it's just a bugbear of mine and I actually think it would be a really smart move for fashion designers because if it has pockets I am more likely to buy it for sure for sure you know? I love so anything like, with pockets exactly put yeah. the fucking pockets in and but I would give especially money, a dress like. I think if I like just a dress where you can like even if you're going you know to the bar and you just want to put your dress you know you don't want to have your hand like you have your phone in your hand um and just to slip your your phone into your pocket while you like pick up a drink or go to the toilet or whatever rather than constantly having it in your hand or something but I was going to say about like you know it's like the the externalization of pockets led to the handbag and then also the fem the the equation of handbag plus women women equals feminine and but then there is like you know there's like a, a a a new a new kind of thing like you know men getting handbags too satchels or I don't know if it's you've a ever satchel. Indiana Jones has one. <laughs> yeah yeah have you ever seen I don't know if you've ever seen like kind of uh what's the correct term to use um like townies like townies in France but it's also kind of cool as well you know like the same is anywhere like Towny fashion kind of is kind of like urban fashion, I suppose. Urban fashion, um, but they have tiny little purses on that they wear in the front on their front on their front on their chest by their chest. And I have I, seen like people in England in particular, um, mm. and again in in urban areas who have like I suppose like maybe half the size of an iPad. It would be the size of it would be the size of a phone. Yeah, and they're really small and they're like, they wear them really high up and really kind of tight close to their body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know the ones, they're becoming more popular in Ireland. But even so, I do think that like fashion choices in Ireland um, are very much limited by what the people around you wear. Because if you dare to wear anything too unusual, like you're going to get the piss ripped out of you. Do you know, like you are going to get the piss ripped out of you, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. And when you're of a certain age, I mean, when you're our age, like, try to rip the piss out of my fashion, I will dominate you. Like, it's fine, you know. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. When you're like 15, 16, you don't want to stand out. And mm-hmm. so people aren't perhaps as adventurous as they should be. Mm-hmm. But the bags are definitely making a comeback for men, definitely. Mm-hmm. And I actually think it's lousy. Like, the really only kind of ex- for years the only acceptable kind of bag that a man could have would be a briefcase or a backpack mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. they deserve more mm-hmm. and so do we mm-hmm. we, we deserve, deserve like we give us the pockets and you can have the bags exactly yeah do you know i yeah. think it's a fair i think it's a very fair and equal deal yeah 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 for sure personally <sighs> so <laughs> oh god sorry i'm um i'm right oh, god. i'm right I'm um right. So that was our little history and my rant on the history of pockets. And um, yeah, so I just I just thought it was really interesting. Yeah. I hope you thought it, was, thought it was interesting too. So thank you so much for listening. And if you have any questions or queries, please do hit us up. Or mm-hmm. if you want us to talk about anything particular on the podcast, 
if you have a request to make we're on twitter we're on instagram and we will be on tiktok soon when i mm. get my finger out mm, 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 mm. um yeah I, I, uh, tiktok we have a lot of new followers on on not no not on tiktok on twitter on twitter Bye. so welcome you are so welcome welcome and um yeah get in touch and uh listen to some of the old Listen to some of the old episodes. Um, also, if you're listening to this and you would love to have a conversation about something that is bugging you in your life, like, and you know a lot about it, I would also love. We'd lo- also love to chat to you. Like, I would love to offer the space up to people who want to have a good old rant about something. Um, you know, something that's happening in the in the world. Um, and you feel like you'd love to. You know, maybe you don't want to start a podcast, but you'd like to have a bit of uh, offer your yes. perspective or a chat. Yeah, make sure you can get in contact, and we'd love to talk to you. Um, so yeah, thank you very much for tuning in. I hope you are all um illuminated by that, and to you know reach for your pockets and reach for the stars and um, demand pockets, demand demand pockets. them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you very soon. Bye. Bye.